Welcome to the Lindsay Hadley Podcast Show. I'm coming to you from the North Shore of Oahu, where weekly I interview some of the world's most inspiring people from business, philanthropy, and entertainment. I love collecting humans, and these are some of my favorites I've found along the way. This podcast is brought to us by Capita Financial Network. Do you need help with the next steps of your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, state attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call or schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at capitafinancialnetwork.com. You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Lindsay Hadley Podcast Show. Today, we have amazing guest named Woody Sears on our show. And we're going to learn a little bit about storytelling and content creation and helping the world explore, um, be explored by people um, through his company, um, Atio. So Woody, do you mind maybe, um, welcome to the show, by the way. Can you, <laughs> do you mind? Maybe, Thanks for having me, Lindsay. Absolutely. It's so good to be here. to have you. And do you mind maybe giving a little introduction? Tell us your story. I love when our guests kind of explain how you got to where you are. You're a co-founder of this company. Your business partners with famous actor Kevin Costner, which is so cool, is, um, I have to say, he's he's the lead of one of my favorite movies of all time, Desks with Wolves. I, everyone's going to oh, think I was going to say it. Yellowstone, but it's actually one of his old school pieces. Um, I just think that's one of the greatest films ever made. So, um, But I'm really excited to hear all about you know what you guys have built and what your vision is for the company and what your mission is and yeah just hear and learn more about you want to tell us a little bit about you yeah happy to share and uh it's good to be here on the show you've um amongst the the great lineup of guests you've had so uh really honored to to participate um my background i've i've spent my career in software and mobile um i was in the very early uh, wireless networks um, back when pre-smartphones, um, when people were just getting their their first devices, and started in a sales capacity there, and um, working with small businesses, then worked my way up to enterprises, and about the same time, um, BlackBerry was just launching, so email on the hip for all those uh, younger generations and uh was was helping enterprises get that into their ecosystem and using that as an efficiency tool and uh it was kind of my first foray into software and just seeing the power of what these uh software combined with mobile devices could do um so that was uh, a lot of fun and learned a lot just at a a, a time when that industry was growing like crazy and um, during that time, I also uh, got my MBA um, while I was working with AT&T. And uh, my dream had always been to have my own company. Um, always an entrepreneur at heart was uh, ever since I was a kid and had my own businesses, whether that be you know paper route, washing cars, et cetera. And so I really... Um, had that vision and it was just a matter of syncing up with what I was most passionate about to be able to do. Um, so that the first startup that I uh, co-founded was 
essentially right when the iPhone first opened up to third-party developers, so the launch of the App Store. Uh, the first version of the iPhone, you could only download apps that Apple had built for it, and so they were very um, utility in nature, and, and then they decided to open up uh, uh, the kimono and, and let third-party developers come in there and make all these um, entertainment, uh, more utility, and you know there were a lot of games um, that became popular early. At the time, I had a three-year-old son, and he was like a moth to the flame of the iPhone. And as parents, we didn't want to hand over movies or games to a, a young child. We wanted something we felt great about. Um, and so we thought it would be really novel to be able to have storybooks on the device. And if they could read to them while we were you know, making dinner or driving in a car, that could be a great way to entertain them and and uh, have less guilt and you know build some of those early reading skills. So we made the first library of narrated kids books, um, all with independent content to start. Uh, we were working with all of these authors who made these amazing picture books and um, caught the attention of well, L.A. Times first. They kind of uh, broke us out and and that led to uh, a lot of downloads and um uh interest in our brand and one of those interested parties that came in was dreamworks animation and uh they they reached out they was wanted to see if we'd be interested in creating storybooks based on their content they loved this engine that we've created um and they wanted to have us start working on a shrek for um storybook and you know at the time they had how to train your dragon that was coming out in three months and i said well why don't why don't we just do this movie that's coming out and they've, we've never published anything that fast and we just you know we're like well that's what we do we're we're in digital and we can put this together in, in no time um just very accustomed to the print nature of publishing so we we uh, built the how to train your dragon storybook app um and it went on to be number one in the app store, um, got a ton more press and, and focus on it, and uh, then ended up working with all the major animation studios um, that were out there and, and had those relationships for a long time. We, we did all of DreamWorks content for the next seven years, um, ultimately got acquired, and, uh, and in this next phase, we essentially, I did some advisory work for other startups and um, loved the app space and all the opportunity there. It was really a flooded market at that time in, in 2015. But, you know, there's still all these things that, that we could solve that weren't being solved. And um, I'd always loved travel, traveled with my family a lot growing up. We did a lot of high adventure kind of low budget trips throughout the west um camping river rafting um national parks things like that and there was also a lot of boredom um a lot of boring boring time in the back seat of a car or often we'd take a, a ford econline van um but it always came to life for me when you could hear some stories about 
that place, whether that's what was going on there now or, you know, the history of how it got started, what people do there for a living, how the town got its name. Um, and that continued to follow me throughout my life and really wanting to know more about the places we were traveling through. And that content's usually available when we go to, you know, a major tourist destination, you know, this, the cities that are popular attracting tourists, there's, you know, tour guides, books, et cetera, where you can, we can find this pretty easily where we couldn't find it was when we were in these more rural areas, kind of the places in between that connect to all these metropolitan areas. Um, and so our, our solution at that time was to search things on our phone use google or wikipedia how do we find the answers to these places and and really give us some context um about that and about that culture and about the natural wonders that we're we're driving by and it, we could find it occasionally but often we couldn't or the information was pretty dry and encyclopedic like you know historical marker that we have on the side of the road, those, you know, three or four sentences that are in bronze, they kind of just barely scratch the surface and don't really bring out the story of it all. Um, so that's really where this whole idea was, was implanted was being able to hear the stories and bring the landscape to life as we travel, um, to and from and, and even destinations. So that's, what we're really building towards is, you know, this on-demand tour guide that can be our our um, our insight of information and and really clue us into the area and give us that um, experience that a lot of us are looking for as travelers. Um, you know, that that opportunity for connection and I think what really makes the memories and. The kind of a byproduct of that is we find that it really helps trigger conversations that also are a big part of the uh, experience and and the uh, the memories that follow that along. So that's uh, that's kind of the the quick overview of how I got to what I'm doing today. But happy to share more about the product and and the business. Oh, Woody, that's such a great story. I mean, Woody, what a dream to work for DreamWorks as a creative and to have that kind of meteoric success with your first you know um storybook in the app um i love how to train a dragon such a, a a darling series and you know in your experience like as a dad i love that i mean this is a problem i think every parent has is there's built-in babysitter that is the ipad or the iphone and it's this huge hack in parenting we also have like this guilt and we know too much screen time isn't good there's the research is pretty definitive about all this and as a working mom, I have just been in this constant like tug of war of like, what are they watching? What's edifying? I love things where we can have conversations and engage with each other. So um, did it really just come from, you know, your experience of travel, as you mentioned, and then being a dad? And or was it a collaboration of a lot of people? How did the idea of, you know, um, creating this travel log, you know, um, narrative, this this whole world that you've created? How did that kind of come about? Was it mostly from your own vision or did you, was it a, uh, an amalgamation of a lot of people's ideas? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that I can 
claim any ideas. It feels like there there's just things that are out there that haven't been tapped into enough or or there's a timing issue. Like it, it's not necessarily new what we're doing, although it's very novel and and not packaged the same way. But this idea of having insights into a place that we're going to make the experience more rich is something we've been doing since humans began this idea of leisure travel, right? Um, and even exploration. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't know that we can claim the idea, but um, it was amalgamation of many different things. And I've got some amazing co-founders that we've been able to use our collective experience. Um, Bill Worland is one of our co-founders. He was the president of the North Face and has like an amazing um, career behind him that, that's also filled with travel, both domestically and internationally, lots of time in, in Asia and Japan specifically. Um, so, you know, that combined expertise is really helpful. Um, Kevin Costner is our other co-founder who joined us shortly after inception. Um, really this idea where the very first alpha version of the product, um, was to inspire other people to tell those stories. So Lindsay, you could talk about um, your hometown, you know, neighborhood or a favorite landmark of yours that you're really um, knowledgeable about and passionate about. And, you know, we could collect these stories together, um, essentially. But to see that, we had to put in our own stories. So we started recording these three to five minute bits on history and um, culture and uh, colorful characters. And the alpha testers of our app really liked the content we were putting together. Um, so that morphed the idea very quickly into how we could um, really service that initially and inspire content creators later. And we wanted to level up that game. And so uh, we made a list of the top storytellers that we wanted involved. Um, and Kevin Costa was at the top of that list. Unfortunately, we had a, an introduction path to him. Um, our kids had gone to preschool together, and uh, or we got an introduction for half-hour meeting that ended up being a half-day meeting and really just seeing eye-to-eye on the vision of the company and being able to tell the stories of America and, and really starting with the people who were here from the beginning all the way up till present. Um, so that really resonated with him and, and uh, getting his voice and his um, content expertise in there uh, was a game changer for us. Um, as well as his you know, vote of confidence in, in actively investing in the company, um, which you don't always see from these kind of celebrity or or known entities who get involved with startups uh so it was it was definitely um an alignment of of passions and and vision that made the whole kind of product idea keep evolving and become what it is today wow woody i mean those so it's you and then the president of the former president of 
North Face and then Kevin Costner that are the the co-founders. I mean, that's like a dream yep. a dream team. Um, do you how how big is is the market for this, and and how long are you guys in your entrepreneurial journey in terms of when you launch this product? Is it past its MVP? How far are we? How many users? Like, and what do you kind of like give us a sense of where you're at in this entrepreneurial journey? And then what's kind of up next for you guys? Yeah. So we launched our MVP in August, 2020. So been in the market three years now. And that MVP had um, 1,500 of these narrated stories uh, along the West Coast and really was um, to put out there and, and get, get people using the product and being able to take long distance drives and, and very much geared towards the road tripper and, and being able to hear stories along interstates, highways, byways, scenic roads. And then um, we took that feedback, you know, we've had a good response on the content. Um, we had some, some good press around that um so there was we definitely caught on to something and continued building out um the rest of the country over the next two years so we are up to eleven thousand stories across uh the 50 states and um have made a ton of of deliveries on a roadmap to essentially keep building out the experience so you know it does still serve this amazing um need on the road trip and and being able to entertain us um kind of in between destinations and and fill that gap of where kind of tour tour guidebooks and um and other searches fail us um and and throughout that time we've accumulated uh over 850,000 installs of our app um and you know we're still early stages really the the vision and where we're headed is to be able to collect these local stories to be able to hear anywhere around the world and so the, our, this next phase of our company really takes us um beyond borders of of the u.s um into other markets and so it can really be this travel companion that follows you wherever you go and and give you that right story at the right time now i'm sure you're having all this so exciting nearly a million installs and are you you know i'm sure you're gonna have all kinds of features like i'm just sitting here thinking when i travel i want to know where the best places are to eat you know i want to know um the most convenient places for if especially about my road tripping in the u.s with using the restroom for children you know there's all kinds of different yep. um yeah landmarks and milestones and things that you want to know about i'm sure all of that'll be in there is that do you is your revenue mostly through affiliate marketing through that kind of opportunity yeah so we're very um uh journalistic uh in in nature now where we don't have ad supported content um the app is free to download you get five free stories and then uh to access unlimited streaming, it's $36 a year. So we can, we can really separate from, you know, some of the, the travel content tends to get a little watered down with SEO or, you know, um, tourism bureaus, uh, uh, get a little bit influenced. And I think people, or at least our 
customers see through that. They want the um, more authentic stories about these places. That doesn't mean in the future we can't connect travelers with the kinds of businesses and services that they're going to be most interested in and really being able to personalize that. So, you know, the, the type of cuisine that you'd like, you know, and getting that um, promotion or prompt uh, when that's, you know, an hour ahead on the road, you know, um, at lunchtime is like something that I think is a good match for both the travelers and the advertisers. Um, the market is is enormous. Um, you know, there's 100 million travelers in the U.S. There's 1.6 billion international travelers wow. um, throughout the world. So those are really who we think about as we evolve this product as these people who are value travel in their life and know the, the rewards of it, but also, you know, they want to get the most out of it and, and uh, we help them do that along their journey. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun space to work in. That's so, that's really exciting. As you guys are trying to garner new users and, and new installs, how, what's the most effective way that your marketing has been able to secure a new audience? Yeah, we've been um, fortunate to have good word of mouth. You know, we've got um, 80% of our customers are willing to refer us to family or friends. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the holy grail if you're getting those kind of organic numbers. But, um, you know, how do people find out about us in the first place? You know, how does your, your friend even know about us? Um, we've had good luck with with paid media on social, um, through meta, uh, Instagram, some through Facebook. Uh, we tried some audio ads as well. You know, really what, um, has resonated is where we can educate people about the product because it's a new category that they're not necessarily searching for or have used before. So, we can do that really easily through video and showing how that works and explaining it there, which I think is uh, why social has performed really well for us. And then we've got some great partners that um, have been helpful in building that traction. Uh, AAA, um, Camping World, iHeartRadio have all um, invested in our company and we have strategic partnerships with them that have really helped, um, you know, increase our consumer awareness. Awesome. What do you, what, what's your position at the company? Are you the CEO? Yes, I am. Okay. So Woody, um, you're not supposed to have favorites as a dad, right? Or whatever. But do you have a favorite, um, story or some that, that come to your mind that are the most charming and right now it's domestically focused, right? It's just in the U S. Yeah. But I'm sure eventually you, you can go to merge in other markets. That's kind of an exciting, maybe next step on the horizon. But um, do you have like favorite stories or favorite little nuggets that can give us a taste as listeners? Um, what maybe your app has to offer that you want to share? Yeah, I thought I thought you were going to ask me who my favorite child <laughs> was. Um, I don't know if you follow uh, Coach Prime at the at the. Um, University of Colorado, that's my alumni. He's been getting a lot of attention <laughs> lately for, 
for saying that everybody does have favorites when it comes to their kids and he's the only one honest enough to say who they are at any given <laughs> point. But that's awesome. Yeah. Um yeah, I I mean it is hard to choose a story favorite. I mean the ones that I tend to be the most in love with are the ones that I've had, you know, direct experiences with my families where it's led to a detour or adding something to our bucket list while we travel. And so those are, you know, that's where the magic really happens when when you hear about this place that you wouldn't have otherwise known was there or you wouldn't have known the history about it. Um, one of my favorites was we were driving to Colorado last spring. Um, all the kids were on their, their spring break and and gonna do some mountain play out there and you drive through um, southern Utah up to the Interstate 70 in Colorado and, and where that interstate starts, it's pretty far from any kind of you know civilization or, or um, development. And there, a story came on about the Fremont people, which we had no idea, but was essentially um, an indigenous tribe that created predated the colonists and it wasn't um that's why we don't have a name we don't they, there's no native tongue name for them they were the archaeologists ended up giving this name of fremont people but it was uncovered when they're building the interstate and it was end up being the largest archaeological dig in the u.s um there was over i think seven wow. tons of artifacts that were found uh and so all of this was preserved and, you know, there is a sign on the side of the road saying that there's this historic center, um, but we wouldn't have stopped. But when we heard the story and we heard about these hand paintings that were done in the caves that would have been um, just really amazingly preserved and all the petroglyphs and uh, there, some of their underground dwellings are there fully intact you can go inside we all got excited to you know to go take a peek um and it led to this really cool family experience where you know we were out there ended up there was zero people there so the the, the visitor center was even closed but you could do all these experiential things like walk underground into these huts where they preserve food and um and then see these amazing pieces of art on the on the rock walls. So um, that was just a cool family memory and experience that really broke up this long road trip we were doing and gave us this um, window into history that we got to be a part of um, after hearing about that. You know, we I, I just I won't forget it. So that's really kind of the. Uh, the point of of having you know these stories preserved and accessible to people and and uh, you know give people the ability to connect and then the ability that really leads to people caring about these places and I think will help in efforts down the road to how we think about preservation and um, just tolerance in general. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's so. Um, impactful to have experiential learning, you know, as individuals, but also with our children. I've um, homeschooled my kids off and on, 
even pre-COVID dating that from which enabled our gypsy lifestyle. My husband and I lived around the world and stuff and traveled extensively. And when we would like study, I don't know, like I remember one, one of the homeschool lessons we we learned about, you know, plate tectonics and Pangea and they were little boys and they wanted to learn about volcanoes. So we were learning igneous versus sedimentary versus metamorphic rock, you know, and all of those details. But we went into, in Hallstatt, Austria, we went into these caves that were hundreds of years old that you could like these mining slides, you could slide down and then see the interior of all of these mines. And those experiences are seared into me forever. Those lessons, those conversations, you know, and those are so powerful as families to learn together. And um, wonder-based learning has been shown to meaning like if you actually have there's wonderment you're you're interested you find it you know entertaining in some way you retain it um, about seventy percent higher than you would something that you're just being told information that you have to you know regurgitate so I love that you're creating that kind of an experience for so many people um, curious do you guys have um, do you guys have every all the 50 states mapped out like i live in hawaii i live in oahu is 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 our little island included in your app yeah it sure is i can't wait uh for you to get a chance to use it and and let me know what you I'm think i'm totally going We've to literally really... today i'm going to download it yeah. and go check it out with my kids it's gonna be so fun i love that oh yeah there's fantastic we worked with some great um local content creators there and really i think captured you know things that the visitors want to know but then also just for uh native hawaiians and and residents to kind of tap into the the culture um so i'd be curious what you think is uh because most of the people who use our app there are are visiting yeah um but we certainly have locals who who use it too and really enjoy it I want to hear more about your your travel. How long were you traveling with your kids, and what was that yeah. experience like? Well, I married an Australian, and um, they're they're really uh, efficient couch surfers, as they say. <laughs> no, but you know they're they have like a gap here where they a lot of right after high school they travel for a whole year and they just go globe trotting. It was a big part of the ethos of Australians to like not be parochial, not be focused just on what is you know what's up in Australia, but to get out into the world. And then um, growing up, I lived in Russia and in China as a young girl in Hong Kong. And so had, you know, some taste of being a global citizen. And so, yeah, we've traveled extensively. We lived in Prague for a while. We did work at the Vatican. We lived in um, Italy for a little bit. We traveled all around Europe extensively, um, lived in Australia for some time, you know, traveled um, in Africa. We've lived there for months at a time. Um, in, in remote countries like Eswatini, a tiny little country just north of South Africa. So we've had just incredible experiences. I think my oldest son has been to nearly 30 countries or something, you know, we've just been really, really wow. blessed to get around. But I think, you know, there's always, I, I love that you have a tool like this and I'm like dying for it to be the whole world because my favorite, my favorite stuff is curated stuff. And, you know, there's a total hack I've learned from traveling that if you go to Pinterest, Pinterest actually has amazing you wouldn't think this but a friend of mine pointed this out to me that a lot of the food bloggers and stuff that make the food look beautiful and usually if the food it looks beautiful it usually tastes really good because there's an like art form to it culinary art well done. and so pinterest if you go in and look up in the region where you are restaurants and it makes pinterest because it's pretty enough it's usually ex- excellent food whereas if you go to like 
Yelp or these other places, you know, they can pay for reviews and it's not always, it's not always like, you know, I don't know, as a foodie, it's not always the best. So I love what you're thinking about, about being careful about not just having it be a pay to play, because if you can curate the best stuff as tastemakers, people are going to like pay so much more for that. I'd pay so much more if I was like, man, these guys really know their stuff and these are actually the best places to visit. And it's not just somebody who's just paying for it and advertise. Um, That's really it. Yeah, you don't want just a bunch of brochures, right, yeah. from from the visitor exactly. center. Exactly. Um, that's when I was tell the whole story. The the photos you described; these are usually restaurant goers who are taking these photos, and that's where you see it. Or do the? I mean, is that the the chefs that you're following? Yeah, that's a great question. Filter it's, out where you want to go. It's usually like food bloggers or foodies, you know, that then have like a Pinterest following, and usually if they're taking images of it professionally and it's just like stunning, it it usually equals excellence in quality and taste. Not always. I mean, sometimes like something that's just a heap tastes incredible, but it's it's generally like that that excellence in uh, you know in the, in the culinary arts that kind of gets displayed in Pinterest. So there's like something you would never think. I would like, we don't ever go to Yelp. We go to Pinterest to figure out where to eat. But one of the things, um, I love yeah, that. it's super fun. But are there any hacks like that that you've learned along the way? I mean, your app sounds like this amazing one-stop shop for that. But what what have you kind of learned when with, because I'm guessing as a founder of this and as a content creator, you've had to travel a lot in all over the country now. It sounds like your family, you guys have had a lot of those experiences. We haven't done 30 <laughs> countries, but I've done more than 30 states across the Amazing. U.S. And, and have, you know, we've got a team of over 40 content creators that are travel journalists wow. that have helped us curate this, um, curate the story. So, you know, we rely on them. That's why it's always fun for me to use it um, and, you know, identify things where there, where there maybe is a story missing. Um, we also drove by this uh, lighthouse that's in Cedar City, Utah, and it kind of throws you off when you see uh, a landmark like that that you wouldn't expect to find in inland in the country. And we didn't have a story on it at the time, um, and I could not find. You know, this was a, one of those cases, a perfect example where there was nothing definitive or helpful or narrative about this place so it took some some real reporting and journalism to figure out that this was placed there as as um as to be used in in the case that the pacific ocean rises um a couple like 800 miles inland Oh my God! Uh, so it's like a, a hedge against um, climate change, and you know, a conversation piece. It was next to a, a like a commercial shopping center, but it's a full on. It's it's not a replica; like it is a lighthouse. Um, That's so crazy! And constructed like one would be. So, yeah, that's amazing, <laughs> Woody. So, um, I mean, I'm I've not seen that much of the United States. Like you've been to. Have you, have you been to all 50 now with your family? Um, no, we still have, uh, you know, 15 or so to check oh, wow. off the list. Incredible. Do you have um, favorites? Do you have some that you really recommend for our listeners? Like you got to mm. go here or, you know, any places that. I mean, I it? would say, you know, pre-pandemic, I think there was this 
uh, you know, I've been road tripping my whole life, but I think there was a little, there was a, a bit of a resurgence that was yeah. happening prior, but, but it really, uh, resonated with people at that time that I can travel without getting on an airplane. Like I can really be transported driving three hours outside of my city into these, you know, sometimes it's national park, that's other small towns, these in gems that that you are in a different spot and they the the culture is different and there's different types of foods and so i i think i would encourage rather than say you know you have to go uh to louisiana um to to experience something really different like you can drive just across the state you know and and try someplace new like and that's um you know a little bit what our product assists with is how you make those discoveries and and people are using it to inspire other trips so just kind of zooming around the map of all these pins we have of the stories you can kind of see what what tempts you and and what makes you want to get out there and explore so i guess you know i don't i don't know that you can go wrong like if you go into it with that attitude Mm. And what do you think it is about human nature? This is more of an esoteric question, Woody, but like, what is it about human beings that love to travel, love to explore, love to have their horizons expanded? Like, what, what do you think, it, at least for you anyway, um, has made you be such a lover of road tripping and experiencing new things? Yeah, I think it gets us, you know, out of our blinders you know we we can get a little bit stuck you know humans resist change just naturally because it's uncomfortable and and different we don't know how it's going to end up but um we know that that's just that's the only constant that we have is change and like how do we embrace it i think travel helps us embrace that more like it it kind of forces the issue of you know things aren't going to be routine and you're going to get exposed to new things and new ideas and make you maybe make you think about things differently or maybe give you more conviction of of things that you already um know to be true so like i think that just growth as a human comes in kind of an organic way where you don't have to necessarily be a student, but you can go and experience this thing that feels, um, you know, very much like fun. I think, you know, it's also challenging. It challenges us and those challenge, you know, those always pop up on our trips, right? Like there's something that happens, even if it's just like a misflight or run out of gas or, you know, something happens along the way that seems kind of, you know, dramatic and challenging and and scary at the time and then we come back and we're like wow that was a, that's now it's a great story but also like what i i learned so much from that like there is something you know you learn about yourself or or others and uh, there's i don't know if there's anything better for delivering on that yeah i think there's nothing better um as as a modality to figure out if you're compatible with other human beings, then to travel with them. <laughs> like if yeah. you're on, you know, planes, trains, and automobiles, and you're in these new situations and you see how people interact with new cultures, new people, 
out of their comfort zone, trying new things. You get to really understand like a person's wiring or their disposition, you know, because routine, we're such creatures of habit and we can kind of create controls around some of our left, right limits of our capacity, uh, you know, and our shortcomings when we have everything the way we want it. But when you get out of yourself like that and you're thrown kind of to the wind and the and into new environments, like kind of shows where your strengths and weaknesses are. And so that just like hyper, hyper um, increases the ability to like understand, you know, I think in dating, I'm, I'm going to encourage my boys, like go on road trips with these girls, you know, I have three boys and like, when they get old <laughs> enough to be dating and stuff and seriously, it's like, go see what, what it's like when they're taken out of their comfort zone. I think that that's a powerful tool. Um, and you can bond so deeply having these experiences, right. And sh- having shared experience. And I, re- I listened to a podcast theory. I can't remember who it was, but it, it, it might've been like a Joe Rogan, but it was fascinating because the brain has these efficiencies in our myelin sheath as we're like processing memories. And, you know, if we take the same route home, you've ever driven home and you're like, how did I get home? I don't even know. I don't know driving. If you have like routines and you keep like the same, you run the same path or you eat the same food or you, you know, are deeply routine, there's a lot of benefit to being routine as a human being for efficiency. It creates calm and lack of chaos and stress to the body and all that stuff. But your life will literally be shorter the more you stay in routine because your brain doesn't, it will compartmentalize those as one memory and kind of you just lock it up. So your experience of life, it doesn't, you know, doesn't literally make it shorter, but it makes it feels shorter to you, your experience, um, because you compartmentalize same routine memories. But if you go somewhere new, it opens up a new pathway and it stays there available, making your life feel more complete and more long. And, if, you know, this life is all about experiencing as much as we can. That's a big vote for travel. I love to hear the scientific answer behind <laughs> it <laughs> and how the brain works and how, you know, that's just. And, you know, another, another reason, um, to not hesitate doing it. So that's, that's really cool. I hadn't, I hadn't heard it, uh, specific to that changing of routine and how that affects the brain. That's yeah. Really it's, cool. It makes a lot of sense. Well, Woody, so you, you know, speaking of the brain and emotions and all these things as a human being, like being an entrepreneur is a high contact sport. And I actually had the, um, painful experience of launching a native app, an Android and iOS app um, years ago. And it was a very expensive education being the founder of a tech company. And it was very painful. You know, ours was not successful, but at first it was for a minute and then it wasn't. And we just, I learned so much, but I'm so grateful for, you know, what I've learned along the way. And we actually partnered with uh, Imagine Dragons. So we had a celebrity partnership in it and everything. And there were so many moments of highs and so many moments of lows. It was like, this is working so well. Oh, it's just the peaks and the valleys, that roller coaster emotional ride. What, uh, what has the journey been for you? Has this been, I'm guessing, like if you're anything like most entrepreneurs, that you've had the highs and the lows and the stress, and the, you know, pain and the, you know, decision making and discipline that comes in with climbing the Mount Everest of building a business. But ha- has that experience been like a harrowing har- act for you? Because every now and then I meet someone, they're like, no, we like really worked out well. <laughs> like they're, a friend of mine, he <laughs> launched an app and then it was bought really quickly by, you know, um, Snapchat and he was like less than a year in and everything was just been the same thing. And he exited for like 50 million. I was like, what the heck? That is an absolute outlier. You just won the lottery. But most people, it's like an incredibly arduous path. And how's it, how's it been for you as an entrepreneur? 
Yeah, I think I think your friend definitely was uh, the exception to the rule. I, you know, there's not too many examples of overnight success out there. Or, you know, maybe he took his licks. You know, in the previous companies that weren't apps before that, that they got him there or not. And you know, I think there's so much of it that has to do with timing and and uh, you know. There's, you can do all the preparation in the world, but if you, if you miss the timing, then, then it can make things challenging. But it's a, um, you know, having done apps from the beginning, there was certainly no playbook early on. Um, and I, I think as, as soon as a playbook was kind of created, then it had to be reimagined again. You know, we've gotten from 3,000 apps when we launched our first one, and now there's, over a million apps in the app store apple is doing if if the app store was ranked on the fortune 500 this news just came out um a few days ago it would be the 50th largest company so fortune 50 is the app store uh in terms of revenue so you're competing against you know just massive uh, the biggest entertainment companies in the world, you know, it's 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 almost not um, a separate business anymore. It's just it's where people are consuming content, um, and you know, it's it's challenging to compete with TikTok and the very like immediate uh, gratification, seven minute, seven second videos that are, um, you know deliver on that promise of, of somebody wanting to be entertained in the moment um, or distracted or, or whatever they are, are going for there. So, you know, we bump up against that. We're, we're very anti, um, anti app, like uh, just daily active usage in that, in that sense, like we're not trying to maximize the hours that you sense spend staring at your screen each day. Like we actually want this to be an experience where you don't have to look at your screen and you can take a break from it, um, and really be present in your surroundings. And we're kind of just adding some context on top of that. But, you know, there's so many things that, that, uh, that apps are able to do that, that really hit our, our dopamine fix of, of gamification and, and other um, factors that, you know, they are hard to compete against. They're hard for human brain to compete against um, all the algorithms working, uh, you know, to satisfy that. So, yeah. I mean, that a, a little bit of a tangent, you know, I don't think there's a straight line on any yeah. of this and it just, I mean, I'm in, uh, and I was an accelerator with other founders, the, the Snapchat accelerator actually. And, you know, the, the very common th theme, um, amongst all founders is just, you know, there's overwhelmed. There's always, you know, fires to put out. You're trying to do a lot with very little, like even these big, you know, million dollar fundraising rounds, you're still trying to punch way above your weight at every step of the way so you've got limited resources to work with in terms of of people and capital um 
and big expectations for yourself, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it is, uh, it's a, it's a journey, but I think the common theme that comes out of those, um, people who've had exits in the past is really just how do you enjoy that along the way? Cause there'll be some end or exit at some point, but if you didn't enjoy the process, um, and are passionate about what you're building, it just, then, it, it, you know, it wasn't worth it to begin with. I love that. I love that you're focusing on the journey instead of the destination, because you're so right. If, if it's just a means to an end, you're going to talk about making your life, you know, painful because you're just hurrying up and waiting, I guess. And it's really not worth it um, because, this, you know, all we have really is this moment and this, this moment now. So I love, I love your perspective on that. So how has it been being, um, I guess, it, you know, in business, a business partner, I've worked a lot with celebrities in my career. I had a boutique consultancy where I help a lot of celebrities from the entertainment industry with their philanthropy. And I still work with a lot of them in different capacities around projects and events and experiences to support their charitable endeavors. But how has it been working with somebody else that kind of reach and amplification? Has Kevin been like the spokesperson for this? and kind of, um, you know, when I think of him, I think of him as, I mean, not just with his role in Death with the Wolves and then Yellowstone, but just like, he seems like this all-American guy, Field of Dreams. I mean, it makes sense. He's a great face. I can see why you guys picked him um, for this exact tool and this app or this platform, but has, is, is he trying to, you know, promote it out to families and parents and people that are, would be that, that generation? What's your core demographic? I'm guessing you're looking for moms, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, you know, really people who are curious uh, and people who travel and and I think enjoy continued learning, but maybe not packaged that way. Like like we mm -hmm. said, it's it's more of this experiential component to it. Um, but our our subscribers they tend to be you know thirty five to fifty five right now. Um, and we'll see how that evolves, uh, you know, as we continue to build out the library. <clears throat> but those, you know, it, it, it also, people who can travel, you know, they're often in higher income brackets, um, you know, who can do it multiple times a year. So those are kind of the earlier adopters, but it, we really see how it not only, you know, it can fit into that one week of year family vacation, but then also into weekends and day trips, driving to, you know, soccer games and so forth to, to really tap into what's going on in these, these new places we're visiting. <clears throat> um, but so I guess back to working with a, a celebrity co-founder, um, Kevin's been fantastic, you know, he's like, just to see somebody who's such a master in their craft and work near that, um, is, is palpable. You know, he just, he takes, uh, such great care in, in, you know, how each story is constructed and how it's read and, and what is the, the meaning behind it. I think you know, we see the, the end result of that in the movies that he's 
produced and, and acted in. Um, I was a huge fan of Dances with Wolves, too. That was a really impactful movie for me, um, personally. But the, yeah, I think uh, he just has that gift. So it's, it's pretty um, amazing to be, be around. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, people bring different things to the table and he's been able to not only bring that awareness, but also just telling the story and, and having that, you know, platform to do it from with having a, you know, a big audience and following. So, uh, that's been, that's been really cool to see. Um, so it was you know the uh, these things just kind of come together it's it's funny how they they all end up matching up but um yeah i can't i can't imagine at this point you know hard to imagine doing it a different yeah, way yeah that's so cool um you know i love how you said he's a master of his craft i think at the end of the day the fame part of it in my experience is the least um enjoyable part of you know a lot of these actors and, and entertainers and musicians and stuff um, it's actually, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It's rough. It's not a cool, not usually a very cool thing. Um, the ability to have amplification and have your voice heard is, is really a, a wonderful utility when used in a way that's edifying and good. And you know what I mean? But it comes at a cost and I feel for them, but, but they really are just masters of their craft. They're, they're, they're artisans, they're artists at the end of the day, and they're the best. And our culture is like, many ways prop them up and have like we worship them in some sense and other people loathe them in other senses and it's just been this like incredible dichotomy but really at the end of the day the ones who make it to the top are excellent um at what they do and they care about it meticulously and you can see that um i um i've worked with Ke uh, kevin bacon and um I'm, we were putting together a television show now he launched a podcast actually called six degrees with kevin bacon and it came from our tv show that we were developing it didn't end up being aired, but I just remember like the care he had in, in all the creative side and just how much of the aesthetic and inclusion and the diversity and like just how much he cared about every component of it, um, you know, was really inspiring to me because I, I was much more like, I don't know, just get it done. Let's just get it to the finish line. And everything to him was like, wow, impeccably, you know, everything was thought through. Um, and I think that that, that makes sense because they're they are their walking billboard of their art as as an actor and i think that's really cool that you've that you've had him and um on the journey how can how could so just to remind us we're kind of coming up here at the end of the interview and what do you think again for coming on um so lovely to hear I, i'm literally going to download this app today how can my listeners make sure that they download this app they learn about this tool and then how can we help you going forward too how can we get the word out Yeah, so you can find us at autio.com, A-U-T-I-O, um, or search the App Store and you'll see see us there, free to download. Um, so would love, yeah, I mean, any of those uh, travelers, um, learners, you know, curious folks out there, you're going to get, I think, uh, a pretty cool experience. And, you know, it's just getting better. So, yeah, please... Uh, check us out we're we're on iphone and android um and how people can help yeah i guess you know give us feedback our our 
uh, customers are very vocal about what they like, what what could be changed, and and what's next. Recommending uh, new stories, like we just love hearing from our audience, so that's always helpful. And and if you do like it, we love reviews and um, and and uh, sharing with friends. So that's probably the biggest biggest things that uh, we could ask for. Amazing, Woody. I mean, it's so cool what you're doing, and I bet your kids are just so proud. Um, and your family to, you can actually use the utility of what you've created in the marketplace. And I, I'm so hopeful that you expand internationally. Um, you know, because there's everybody travels, and I just sit there and think, like, what a what an epic tool for families and people as they as they go on their journey. I just think anything that can bring family time together is just so needed in the world today. Like you said, instead of just throwing an iPad in the back and then driving, something you can actually engage as a family and have more relational equity. This is a brilliant, you know, wonderful thing that's amplifying light and goodness. So thanks so much for coming on. It's such a joy to meet you. And I'm looking forward to to using your product here soon. I really uh, enjoyed the conversation. So I, I appreciate the opportunity and I uh, can't wait to hear what you think. Thanks so much, Woody. Do you need help with the next steps for your financial plan? Think Capita. Capita is a financial network built around you. They have a team of financial advisors, CPAs, estate attorneys, Medicare providers, and social security experts to help you accomplish your financial goals. Call to schedule a complimentary consultation at 801-566-5058 or visit their website at www.capitafinancialnetwork.com. You can also check out their financial education podcast, The Financial Call, available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and YouTube.